Good morning and welcome to Faithfully Memphis. This is Bishop Phoebe Rowe of the Episcopal Diocese of West Tennessee coming to you from Crosstown Concourse. We air on 91.7 FM WYXR. And each week we have an opportunity to speak with the person about their ministry and work and the role of faith in their life. So we always begin the program with a segment called Stump the Bishop, which is an opportunity for us to share a little bit about a person who is noted in church history. And I want to highlight um, this morning, St. Columba of Iona a Celtic saint who was born in Ireland in the year 521. And early in life, he showed scholarly and pastoral ability. So he was ordained as a priest in the year 551. And 12 years after his ordination, Columba and a dozen companions set out for Northern Britain. Now, at this time, um, many of the folks living in that area didn't know anything about Christianity. Well, Columba was very kindly received, and he was actually allowed to preach the gospel, to baptize, and to convert people to Christianity. And he also had possession of a small island called Iona on the western coast of Scotland, and he founded a monastery there. And it's really from that location that he spread Christianity throughout all of that part of Britain. I had an opportunity to take a pilgrimage to Iona Um, maybe in 2014 or 2015. They still have a practicing Christian community there, and it is a a thin place, as some people would say, where you really feel the Lord's presence. And so the impact of St. Columba, more than 1,500 years later, continues to be felt. So on this day, we do give thanks for St. Columba and the folks who worked with him to spread the gospel. And just as an aside, our own Episcopal Camp and Conference Center here in the Diocese of West Tennessee is called St. Columba. So I would like to read the prayer that is assigned for St. Columba. And following that, we will play uh, a hymn that is regularly sung there. So this is his prayer. O God, who by the preaching of your servant Columba caused the light of the gospel to shine in Scotland, grant, we pray, that remembering his life and labors, we may show our thankfulness to you by following the example of his zeal and patience through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.
Welcome back to Faithfully Memphis. So my special guest in the studio this morning is Rob Clark. And Rob is the president of the Tennessee Layman's Episcopal Conference. And um, the first one was actually held in 1947 in Mount Eagle, Tennessee, which is very close to Sewanee. So Episcopal laymen have gathered in person every year since 1947, except last year. And because of COVID, so we transformed and had a virtual conference last year. But this year, which is our 75th anniversary, we are so excited about the fact that we will be back in person. And so I'm going to have Rob give us a little bit of information about the conference, which includes opportunities for fun, for fellowship, and for faith, as well as a barbecue cooking contest and guest speakers every year. So Rob, welcome to Faithfully Memphis. Thank you, Bishop Phoebe. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Excellent. So now can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and where you grew up and what was the role of faith in your life as a child? I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I'm a, a cradle Episcopalian, so uh, I went to church at uh, St. Martin in the Fields in, mm-hmm. in northeast uh, Atlanta. Uh, was was baptized, confirmed in that church, was an acolyte, uh, participated in uh, you know, EYC, all of, all of the great Episcopal opportunities that you have. Uh, I went away to college uh, at the University of Alabama, mm-hmm. and uh, I must say my my first kind of real life discussions about faith occurred at at the University of Alabama. Uh, I just happened to be paired with a, a roommate uh, from Tuscaloosa who mm-hmm. was a Church of Christ. Oh uh, wow. Uh, member. And so as you can imagine, he and I had some lively discussions. I'll, I'll never forget uh, one of the first days we were talking, you know, he looked at my bookshelf and he said, I don't, where's your Bible? I don't, <laughs> I don't see your Bible. And I, I reached over to the, uh, 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 the Episcopal, um, uh, you know, Book of Common Prayer. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, here's my Bible. And he said, that's not the Bible. <laughs> so, we had uh, he was great. Uh, still, still, am in touch with Pat mm-hmm. to this day. Good friend, but I, I would say you know when you when you talk about faith and really a relationship with Christ, that was really kind of a, a tipping point for me in terms of opening my awareness that you know there are other faiths outside of mm-hmm. Episcopal faith, and what does that really mean to to be a to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. And so uh, eventually ended up in Memphis after graduate school at Ole Miss. And uh, so I've been in Memphis uh, 35 years. Wow. I'm, I'm pretty much a Memphian now. And um, I've got uh, helped raise two wonderful children. They're both grown now. Mm-hmm. Sally, uh, my oldest, is an actor in New York City. Mm-hmm. And my son, Gray, uh, works for a general contractor here in Memphis. So, uh, you know, thrilled they were they both went to to school at grace st luke's here Mm -hmm. i went to church at grace st luke's where i'm i'm a parishioner Mm -hmm. and so you know my my walk uh has really 
been one of of faith is a is a cornerstone of of my life. Uh, I'm very very happy to to feel the presence uh, of God every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I. I do pray several times a day, just you know, to my quietly to myself. Mm-hmm. But I think that uh, that kind of practice, I guess, again, it's been an evolution, mm-hmm. uh, one that uh, I've kind of worked into to my daily life, and and I feel uh, you know a wonderful sense of of His love and and, and truly a peace that does past understanding it's hard to describe yeah but uh i I would i would say that's kind of a quick overview Uh, i do uh work so my my vocation uh went to grad school got a master's in healthcare management Mm -hmm. so i've been in the healthcare field all of my professional life Uh, started out uh with the baptist health system here in town Mm -hmm. for the last 20 years uh, i've worked at saint jude children's Mm -hmm. research hospital wonderful humbling place to work and so i've been very blessed uh to have those opportunities yeah well i love your notion of sort of um your walk with Christ being something that you connect with every day. And ultimately, it's far more than just the two or three hours that we spend on Sunday morning, right? For us to really reap the benefits of that relationship, it's so beneficial when it's seamlessly woven into all aspects of our lives. So it's great to, to hear you say that. So we're here this morning because um, we want to promote the Tennessee Episcopal Layman's Conference. And um, I wonder if we go back in the day, you know, do you have any, uh, have you heard any interesting stories about the sorts of things that the men maybe did, you know, in the early years of the conference that are funny or insightful that maybe we don't even do anymore in the current version of the conference? You know, that's a great question, Bishop. Um, I I wish that I had a better knowledge of, yeah. the, of those early days because, you know, um, as you as you noted, the conference has been going on to be, be our 75th year. Um, it's interesting I, I've done several men's conferences at St. Columba, that which you re- referenced mm-hmm, earlier mm-hmm. this morning, which I always enjoyed. And of course, it's easy to get to living in Memphis. Uh, a friend of mine, Judge John McCullough, parishioner at Grace St. Luke's, has been a longtime attendee mm-hmm. of the Episcopal Layman's Conference over in Mont Eagle. And he tried for years to get me to go. You know, he said, "Oh, Rob, you'd really get a lot out of it." And and I always had good reasons why yeah. I didn't go. You know, I was raising children, I was working. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a four and a half hour drive yep. over there. So uh, eventually, uh, I said yes. That was about seven years ago, I mm-hmm. guess, the first time I went. And uh, you know, it was one of those one of those things that once I went, I was like, oh, wow, I wish I'd started going years ago. But I've been every year since, Mm -hmm. and uh, it's just a wonderful weekend of of fellowship and fun Mm -hmm. uh, and faith, as as you mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah. So why do you think um, men continue to participate? I know one of the things that they do each year is they acknowledge the man who has been coming for the longest number of years. What is it that draws people to return? turn do you think i think it's uh it's kind of like a a home uh a homecoming Mm -hmm. or a family reunion Mm -hmm. Uh, oftentimes this is the only time of the year you see friends that that you've made there at the conference over the years you get an opportunity to visit with them 
as you mentioned, there are there are certain activities that have uh, over the years uh, kind of grown, and uh, people really look forward to that. There's the opportunity to play golf mm-hmm. uh, on Saturday afternoon. Some guys like to go fly fishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, beautiful uh, tra- hiking trails mm-hmm. nearby there on the mountain and around Swanee. Um, we also uh, just have ample opportunities for relaxation and and uh, uh, napping, which some guys don't get the opportunity to do. Uh, but the conference center is very expansive uh, mm-hmm. and has uh, just uh, there's a pool there. People some mm-hmm. people like to swim. So, uh, but I think the probably the thing that guys look forward to most is just the discussions after the uh, the formal meetings are over at the end of the day. Right. Uh, people hanging out. There are great cabins there to sit out on the porch. Mm-hmm. And uh, thankfully, in August in Tennessee, the the temperature is about fifteen degrees cooler <laughs> than here in Memphis. So right. That's right. an added benefit. Yeah. So for a gentleman who may be hearing about the conference for the first time, can you give a sense of sort of the schedule? Like when would you arrive? and what's the general schedule of the weekend so uh the the weekend begins friday afternoon registration mm-hmm. and it's pretty much opened at one o'clock and we register guys you know until about five uh we have dinner the the conference has three keynote speakers mm-hmm. and so uh our first keynote happens friday night mm-hmm. and uh, our our speakers this year were, were very, very thrilled. Uh, one is Dr. Peter Doherty, uh, who is a former faculty member, a virologist at St. Jude. He actually won the Nobel Peace Prize while he was a faculty member for his research in infectious diseases. Um, uh, and I should tell you that <clears throat> each conference has a theme. Our theme this year is life after mm-hmm. dot, dot, dot. So how do we deal with life transitions mm-hmm. uh, faithfully? Uh, and uh, how do we embrace them and thrive afterwards? So obviously, uh, after a year of the pandemic, yeah. uh, Dr. Doherty is going to talk about life after COVID. Mm-hmm. We also, Saturday morning, will be our second keynote speaker, uh, which will be a former uh, U.S. Senator from Tennessee, Bob Corker. Mm-hmm. Uh Bob Bob retired from the Senate two years ago, so he'll talk about life after politics. And then our final keynote speaker uh, will will be someone we're we're very much looking forward to is your brother Willie Rofe, <laughs> yeah, uh, former NFL football player, Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, he will talk about mm-hmm. his life after the NFL. Uh, yeah. And so I'm I'm just thrilled at uh, at those three speakers. So with that theme as a backdrop. Um, there will be uh, other kind of smaller breakout sessions uh, mm-hmm. that we're gonna gonna be led. Again, these are informally around a campfire at night uh, with some of the laymen who participate, uh, and we're still working out the details of those. But it will be f- centered around that theme of life after life after retirement, possibly mm-hmm. life after a divorce or death in your mm-hmm. family, life after something positive, life yeah. after your first child, your <laughs> <Right>. life changes. <laughs> yeah, forever. <laughs> so uh, there, there are so many ample discussion opportunities. Mm-hmm. And so I would say, uh, you know, outside of those, those three keynote speakers, we also have uh, meetings for each diocese. Of course, uh, one of the great things about the conference, all three bishops of, of the mm-hmm. three Tennessee dioceses always come. We're thrilled to, to have the opportunity as laymen 
to to interact with with you mm-hmm. and the other two bishops just you know in a, a very relaxed setting um, again we're, we're you're not there uh, except in a few formal capacities <laughs> uh, uh, which we're thrilled uh, on Sunday we we have uh, our final event of the conference is uh, uh, service and Eucharist at All Saints Chapel there on Swanee. So, uh, like any other conference, you're fed well here. Yes. Uh, we have a fish fry Friday mm-hmm. night. Uh, Saturday, we have a barbecue cooking contest. There are several groups uh, that always come with their mm-hmm. rigs. Uh, we encourage uh, anyone who's listening who may have an interest in coming and, and is a barbecue mm. aficionado. Uh, we'd love to have you participate in that. Uh so uh, Saturday afternoon is reserved for whatever activity you, you choose to do or, or napping. We reconvened for dinner Saturday. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, as I said, we have our second or final keynote speaker. And then Sunday morning is the Eucharist. Yeah. So that's our weekend. So I know I had a really interesting experience in 2019. Uh, I had been consecrated in May and came up to the Holy Mountain that August. And it must have been... 200 men and me <laughs> as the first female bishop that was in, the, a first in the state of Tennessee. <laughs> so that was, a, it was actually a lot of fun. I thought this is probably a good ratio, you know, 200 men to one woman. But it was a really great opportunity, as you said, to have interesting, um, relaxed conversations with people that in the midst of my normal, busy, hectic schedule I don't have that time to just sit and talk and share and listen. Right. So right. it was a great experience. Well, and I can tell you, uh, the guys really appreciated you being there, in particular with your you know, with your unique gifts. And you know, we we did something that, again, I'm not sure that we had ever done before, at least not in the seven years I've been going. Mm-hmm. But we we had a laying on of hands by the bishops, which mm-hmm. the guys really appreciated, and mm-hmm. it was very impactful and meaningful mm-hmm. to a number of us so you know you you've already added at least one new <laughs> tradition uh for us moving forward yeah. so rob one of the things that um a lot of episcopal churches and even episcopal organizations are struggling with is this notion of how to attract our younger men you know a lot of times you mentioned the great activities EYC and youth group and things that you were involved with as a child we we're in our parents household but then when we leave for college we lose so many of our young men and our young wo- women and it used to be the rule of thumb is well they'll get married in their mid to late 20s and once they start having kids they'll return to the church but increasingly that isn't happening people are getting married later in life And even some folks who were raised in the church, once they get married and have children, they don't choose to raise their children in the church. So I wonder what sorts of conversations have um, the organizers of this conference done around maybe things that we need to add or augment to specifically attract, say, the men between the ages of, you know, 25 and 40, (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a great question, and <clears throat> it really is a, a fact that organ not not just the Episcopal mm-hmm. Church, but I, I'm a been a longtime member of uh, the Rotary Club. Uh huh. Yeah. You know, those civic organizations uh, of all kinds are are it's a challenge because 
we we have such a, a diversity now of opportunities mm-hmm. uh, to engage our our time and it's no longer limited to the rhythms of that you know people that I grew up in and I'll I'll turn 60 next month mm-hmm. uh, you know of church and 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 work and school and all those things uh, there's so many opportunities for people to access uh, content and in, in from their own homes and, mm-hmm. and uh, other places. So I think it really is a challenge, and, and we, we've struggled, uh, frankly, to wrap our arms around exactly how to mm-hmm. do that. I think at the end of the day, uh, we have to go find people where they are and bring uh, opportunities to engage through that way. You know, I love the fact that, that you're doing this uh broadcast once a week and Mm -hmm. and, in a podcast and you know people can access it and so I think the the main challenge is just get the word out yeah uh, that those opportunities exist Mm -hmm. and and again encourage them and and be be a faithful uh, presence uh, when we can be around those folks yeah I know that so there, there are currently three Episcopal dioceses in the state of Tennessee and I know that each diocese has a core group of men who are involved and one of the things you all have talked about is the possibility of doing maybe additional local events so that you can start building the relationships before you ask somebody to get in the car and drive four and a half hours now of course covid messed all of that up as well because we couldn't be in person but that may be another something to sort of get some of the younger men connected with the older men and they might be willing to make the trip i think i think that's right and and we have talked about uh, again, under your leadership, the the renovation of the Barth House yes. at the University of Memphis campus, which is a, a beautiful space. Uh, I've had the opportunity to do actually a meditation retreat there mm-hmm. uh, that the the rector at Grace St. Luke's, Ollie Rencher, led uh, about a month ago, and it was a great mix of of ages and and uh, different, a very diverse group that that went there. So I think I think that's going to be a wonderful opportunity for us moving forward to engage. In in small groups and and really I think you hit the nail on the head it's just about developing relationships mm-hmm. it's it's really not like you know it's like anything else uh, you have to develop those relationships to build trust mm-hmm. and comfort and then I think you could build upon that yeah so are you thinking about possibly doing some sort of a, an introductory event uh, and I guess we failed to mention the specific dates of the upcoming conference so maybe we should do that but are you thinking about doing something here locally in memphis between now and august yes we uh, we are we're kicking around a couple of ideas uh, maybe meeting for a redbirds game yeah uh, or doing something at barth house mm-hmm. to uh, uh maybe a breakfast or a you know a late afternoon uh and and thanks for mentioning the the date to the conference is august 20th through 22nd uh, registration is open right now. You can go to uh, TennesseeChurchman.org. It's just TN Churchman, all one word, dot org. Or the phone number to call at DuBose is 931-924-2353. Uh, each parish will receive hard copy paper brochures in about a week okay. uh, that will be distributed. As you mentioned, there's there's typically one man designated at each parish. We call mm-hmm. them the key man, mm-hmm. and they're responsible for promoting the conference within their parish and getting the word out and assisting mm-hmm. you know first timers who are not sure what to expect. Right, 
uh, about the conference. So we will we will be starting in about a week, kind of moving into high gear. Mm-hmm. So this is great timing uh, yes. to be able to share uh, yes. with your listeners. And you all normally send a couple of those brochures to the diocesan office as well. So That's if right. someone is listening and they're not connected with one of our congregations, you can always call the diocesan office at 901 937 Four seven zero zero, and we can get a copy of the brochure to you. And that leads me to another question, Rob. If someone is listening from a different faith tradition, you know, who's maybe uh, Church of Christ or Kojic or a different denomination, and they are interested, is it restricted to Episcopal layman, or would any man be welcome? It is totally open uh, to any man who wants to come. In, in my emails to friends I've been sending out promoting. I I said, don't let the word uh, Episcopal Church or Tennessee scare you (laughs) off from attending this conference because you neither have to be Episcopal, churched, or live in the state of Tennessee. It is is truly open uh, to any man who wants to come, and, and we welcome everybody. That's great. That's great. Um, and so the, the DuBose Conference Center has been the host of this conference for many years, right? It really so has. is. There, is there anything that you would like to share about uh, DuBose and your experience there? Uh, you know, DuBose uh, is just uh, a wonderful uh, gem that uh, has been a part of the Episcopal Diocese for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure uh, how it started and in, in its relationship with the diocese, but uh, that has been the home to the conference. Uh, it's probably about 30 acres uh, of property, and we've got a couple of, uh, you know, hotel-style, dormitory-style mm-hmm. uh, rooms. We also have uh, very rustic cabins. Those mm-hmm. are without air conditioning, uh, not that you really need it in uh, on, on top of the mountain, but uh, bunk beds. Mm-hmm. So you really have your choice of accommodations. You can also mend also stay at several of the, the local hotels mm-hmm. there in Mont Eagle and at Swanee. Um, so uh, obviously the, the pandemic uh, was a, a real shock to conference centers like St. Columba, like uh, DuBose. Uh, they have been able to survive the pandemic, and, and so they're very thankful that groups such as the mm-hmm the Episcopal Layman's Conference are coming back. I know they've had a couple of other conferences planned uh, mm-hmm. for this spring and summer. So uh, we've we've done our best to uh, to support DuBose uh, through through our participation there. We we have uh, board members of the board meetings of the Episcopal Churchmen uh, about once a quarter, and mm-hmm. we typically uh, hold those virtually. Uh, but we, we intentionally held those at DeBose this year so that mm-hmm. we could, you know, help them out with some uh, some people staying there and some revenue. Yeah, and I know that uh, last year in 2020, uh, even though it was virtual, you encouraged men to give a donation to DeBose as if they were going there to help them offset the loss in revenue from the, the group not being there in person. That's right. And, and a lot of men were very faithful about mm-hmm. uh, about contributing to yeah. that effort. Yeah, that's great. 
So, Rob, you know, you and I are of a similar generation, and I know certainly for my father's generation and my grandfather's generation, men tended to have very formal roles, right? There was the role of the man and the role of the woman, and those things were were clearly defined. And we're in an era and an age now where it seems as if there's much more fluidity about you know, roles of the genders. And I'm just wondering, um, you know, from the standpoint of this conference for Christian laymen, have you all ever talked about or addressed the fact that just the role of the man in society has changed and is continuing to change? You know, I think that's a, that's a great uh, topic for us to address. You know, for the last, uh, uh, I can't recall that we've addressed that mm-hmm. uh, over the last few years, but I think that's definitely something that uh, that we want to uh, include as a discussion topic because it is. I think it's. Uh, I think it's a challenge to you know some of our older yeah. uh, uh, folks uh, to embrace that idea. Uh, be- they they grew up you know in certain certain roles mm-hmm. and in certain expectations i think i think that's where you know you mentioned uh, bringing our younger mm-hmm. uh, men into this fellowship i think that's where that can be so helpful uh to help help uh start those conversations and really provide some great insight uh from how because they're living it right now they're mm-hmm. they're growing up with the idea thankfully that uh, you know you're not limited, right? And uh, in how we perceive others, we don't have to to put people in boxes mm-hmm. and and uh, frames that you know we've we always traditionally have. Right. So I think right. it's a great opportunity. Yes. In in a sense, sometimes those stereotypes or boxes are sort of shortcuts for us, right? If if I see an individual and I immediately assign them to a category then I miss out on the opportunity of getting to know the human being in front of me for who he or she is. And they may be very different from the stereotype that I have about that particular group, but it also takes more work. It takes effort. It takes me slowing down and really paying attention to the person, uh, the, the image of Christ right in front of me. And I think, I think there's a, a fear that, you know, oh, I don't, I don't know how to interact with this yeah. person because I've, you know, I'm not from that faith mm-hmm. or uh, from that ethnic, right? Uh, you know, traditions, and I think uh, breaking down those barriers mm-hmm. it helps us overcome that initial fear. And you're exactly right. You know, I've always uh, learned so much when I was able to to interact with people who don't look like me, don't are mm-hmm. of the same faith. As I mentioned with my college. Roommate, yes. That yeah. Was, uh-huh. That was my first example mm-hmm. of, uh, mm-hmm. of really coming to understand his perspective and, and, and why he believed what he believed. Yeah. Well, you know, I've heard many wonderful things about St. Jude um, going back to your vocation there and one of the things that St. Jude seems to be excellent at is creating an environment where children from not just all ethnic backgrounds, even from around the world, even children from other countries come there 
And all of the families, regardless of their race, their ethnicity, their religion, they feel welcomed and valued. Um, are there aspects of how St. Jude has organized that might be helpful as we think about creating an environment where everyone feels appreciated and acknowledged? That, that's a, a great question. And, and St. Jude was founded on, on the principle that there, that no child, regardless of their background, their mm-hmm. race, color, creed, uh, would ever be turned away for service. And, and Danny Thomas, the, the founder uh, of St. Jude was was raised a Catholic. He mm-hmm. was a uh, practicing Catholic, but he made it clear that when he opened his hospital for, you know, in cure, to treat incurable diseases, that it would be in a place where everyone would be welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he, again, intentionally, he could have uh, started St. Jude in any city around right. the country. Uh, but his... Uh, 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 his uh, priest in Chicago at the time uh, had spent some time in Memphis. Hmm, so that was the connection. And that was the oh. connection. He said, you know, if you really want to build a hospital that's open to all, uh, you should go to an area that's really challenged, uh, mm-hmm. not only from a healthcare perspective, but the racial divide, mm-hmm. obviously, in the late 50s, early 60s, was highly acute here in the South. And so uh, Memphis... Uh, you know, where Dr. King was assassinated mm-hmm. in 1968. I mean, what, what better place to open mm-hmm. a hospital that's truly open and, and welcoming to all. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, what we're, we're trying to do with the layman's conference is get that message out that, mm-hmm. that really, you know, we welcome any man uh, who is just uh, interested in, in meeting new people mm-hmm. of, of learning. It's, it's a weekend for learning, mm-hmm. you know, not only from our speakers uh, who will have, you know, informative things to share from their individual perspectives, but just from talking to one another. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know the first time that I attended the conference, I didn't really know a whole lot of people there. Right. Wasn't, you know, wasn't sure what the traditions of the conference were. So uh, as I mentioned, there's a lot of, cabins kind of scattered across the ground so the first evening i just i just walked from cabin to cabin yeah. and walked up and you know guys were very welcoming and you know i said hey i'm i'm from memphis i don't really know anything tell me about right. you know what you all are doing so right. i think uh, that's a great uh, a great opportunity for us for uh, for men to do that that's great and i guess i want to um also mention that there is limited scholarship assistance available if if um, a man has heard this conversation and really thinks at this point in his life some time away from the normal routine with other men who are striving to live uh, lives based upon Christian principles might be something helpful we do have some limited scholarship assistance yes we do we don't we don't want uh, the finances to be a barrier right. at all so uh, if you're interested in coming we will we will find a way to, to help yep. you to make sure you get there great well Rob I really appreciate this conversation I guess as we uh, sort of wrap things up we've gotten through a past tough year and a half and so grateful that the vaccine uh, is being rolled out and people are more comfortable being out and about. And I wonder through this past year and a half, um, what has given you a sense of hope or that has sort of lifted your spirit so that you didn't completely give in to 
despair or discouragement with so many difficult challenges facing not only our country, but even us individually? That's a that's a great question. And, uh, you know, one of the fortunate things uh, for me was uh, during this pandemic, I lived downtown Mm -hmm. uh, by the river. And so uh, I I was work. I've been working remotely uh, for the most part and uh, having the opportunity to just, you know, walk outside, see the majesty uh, of the Mississippi River, see you know, the creation that, that God has laid out for us and in breathing that fresh air, I think has been a big help to me personally mm-hmm. uh, to to remember and, and to have faith that, yes, uh, th- we're being challenged over the last year and a half, but uh, this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, we're going to learn things from this that we would never have learned, I think, about ourselves, about our society about each other that I think gives me hope uh, for moving forward. Wow. Well, thank you. So we really want to thank not only you and your role as president, but all of the key men and the members of the board of the Tennessee Episcopal Layman's Conference who have really worked hard to prepare an outstanding conference this August. And so uh, Rob has given uh, a phone number at DuBose. I've given the number for the Episcopal Diocese of West Tennessee. If a man is listening and is interested, please do reach out. Thanks so much, Rob. Thank you so much, Bishop.
Lift high the cross, the love of Christ proclaim. Uh, a great song as we think about um, men gathering uh, in Mount Eagle, Tennessee, this August to reflect on um, just what the past year has been like and to really be inspired to continue to persevere. So the next segment of the show is called Stump the Bishop. And I have a couple of questions from uh, one of our young parishioners from Church of the Holy Communion. So the first question is, what is your favorite animal. (laughs) Um, I grew up in a household with a mother who loved animals. So growing up, we had dogs, cats, hamsters, fish, turtles, many different types of pets. But because I was the oldest, I was often the one that was kind of responsible for helping with the feeding or the changing of the kitty litter. So while I love pets, and I would say probably I would be more of a dog person than a cat person, I have never had a pet since I've lived on my own because of all of the responsibility that is connected with having pets. But I can say that both of my brothers and my sister all have pets. They are all pet people. My sister is 100% a cat person, and both of my brothers have several dogs. The second question is um, to give a sense of a favorite vacation. So when I was a girl, I participated in Camp Mitchell on Petty Jean Mountain outside of Little Rock, Arkansas. Camp Mitchell was the Arkansas Diocesan Camp and and Conference Center, and that played a pivotal role in my faith formation to spend a week there every summer. But in terms of just, you know, I guess I would say normal vacation. When I was a girl, my grandparents lived in a small town called Millwood. It's in Virginia, in the Shenandoah Valley. It's absolutely beautiful. My grandfather used to say the Shenandoah Valley was God's country. And so my favorite vacation was really to be able to go to Virginia and to stay with my grandparents for two or three weeks in the summer We had land where we could run around and play, and our family home was located across the street from um, a historic mill, and so we could be on the grounds of the mill and watch the big, huge wheel turned by water to grind the corn. Uh, It was just an opportunity for me to be outside a lot and to have quality time with my grandparents. So I would say that was a favorite sort of regular vacation. And then in terms of international travel, my favorite trip was to Cape Town, South Africa. And I'm fortunate to have been to Cape Town twice in the past maybe 10 years. It is an absolutely beautiful city right on the water and um, wonderful people, wonderful culture, wonderful food, wonderful music. That was my favorite sort of big splurge vacation. 
So um, if any of you all listening ever have questions uh, that you always wanted to ask the bishop, uh, please do reach out and let us know some of the things that you are interested in learning more about. And so now we're going to have uh, a final hymn. I am on the battlefield for my Lord. So we are back. So thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Faithfully Memphis. You know, we now are broadcasting this show wherever you can hear or access your podcasts. 
So Spotify or Apple Music, please do look us up on those platforms and give us any comment or feedback so that we can continue to improve the show. And I wanted to let you know that next week we're going to have not one, but two episodes of Faithfully Memphis. One will be our regularly scheduled podcast, which is about an hour long, but the other is going to be a conversation that I had with Darren Herring, who is the representative of an organization called Faith Journeys, and the Diocese of West Tennessee is sponsoring a trip to Greece in June of 2022. So actually one year from now, I believe the trip is um, maybe eight or nine days and it includes a three-day cruise and we will be following in the footsteps of the Apostle Paul and exploring some of the earliest Christian congregations that he founded in what is now uh, modern-day Greece. So that trip is open to anyone. So if you have been a little stir-crazy because of having to stay home, uh, given COVID-19, and you are beginning to think about travel um, overseas, Uh, and would like more information about the Greece trip, which is scheduled for June of 2022. Next week, there will be a special episode of Faithfully Memphis with lots of details about the trip. And you can always call the diocesan office at 901-937-4700. And we can actually send you a hard copy of the brochure, which will give you the complete itinerary um, as well as the cost. So until next week, my brothers and sisters, stay safe and stay positive. Oh, my God.